All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another day, another podcast for Ag News Daily. Today is March 30th. We're nearing April 1st here in April Fool's Day, and I am one of your hosts, Delaney Howell. Joining me is my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, where are you headed today? Howdy, Delaney. Well, I'm excited. Right now, I am sitting in the terminal at uh, Ames International Airport uh, at HAPS Air Service. I'm getting ready to board a Piper Navajo, and we'll be taking off, flying to the west. I'm headed to Torrington, Wyoming this evening. So I'm very excited. I love getting out west, love seeing the open the, the open sky and the, the grass country, and pretty excited to head out that direction. And what are you going to be doing out there? Delaney, I will be speaking to a group of rural power cooperatives. Wirelec is having their meeting out there, and they just want to get updated on, you know, what's happening in the markets, what's happening in the world, how is it going to impact everybody in uh, rural Wyoming. So looking forward to it. Oh, that'll be interesting. It will be interesting. And you know what Wyoming produces a lot of, Delaney, is coal. Coal. Coal came under fire pretty hard in the last administration. Is there anything happening today that might change that? There is, as a matter of fact. An executive order was signed March 28th. So what would that have been? Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So an executive order was signed Tuesday instructing the EPA and Scott Pruitt to review the Clean Power Plan, which was which came into effect during the Obama administration. And the goal of that plan was to deal with greenhouse gases and global warming. And so now the EPA is saying that they're going to review it. And Scott Pruitt released a statement saying that he sees no reason that the country can't be pro-energy and pro-environment. But it's rumored that they'd like to dismantle the complete plan and get rid of it altogether. Okay, which which would be good news for a lot of those coal power plants that were looking right. at pretty substantial investments to come up to uh, the, I forget what they call it, the clean coal standard to fit mm-hmm. within that plan. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You know, we had other news in the uh, the the dead dinosaur market. I guess we can call it that. That's what coal <laughs> is, and that's what we got going on with crude oil. Uh, really, we hit a new high today, third day in a row of climbing. It sounds like that deal that OPEC and Russia and those other oil-producing countries signed to limit production is holding. Now, there's been some questions, but the notion that this deal will be extended is helping drive prices higher. Now, the flip side of that is these stronger prices, north of $52 here in uh, West Texas Intermediate, that is encouraging those North Dakota drillers and Texas drillers in the Permian Basin to come back online. So even as OPEC pulls back, it's creating space for uh, North American oil producers to uh, claw back some of their market share. And uh, and it sounds like if they're getting back to drilling, they must be profitable in here at these price levels. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Um, I, I actually, on a, on a TV shoot a couple of weeks ago, I, I worked with a geology professor out of Iowa State, and he was talking about the different types of oils being sweet, refined, regular, etc. Um, and I didn't even realize there, that the oil being refined in Texas and Oklahoma was different than the oil being refined in the Dakotas. So that yeah. might be an interesting interview to bring on here in the next couple of weeks. That would be because you start talking about sour crude and light sweet crude mm-hmm. and yeah, all the different yeah. things. That's There's a lot of variety in there. It's kind of like the yeah. cattle markets. Exactly. And I think with the varieties, he was mentioning that some varieties require very little refinery and others um, 
require tons of work being done to them. So sure. that might be an interesting interview to bring on. That would be. Yeah, reach out to, the, to that person. Yeah, I will. Awesome. Well, in other news, this is kind of fun, I think. Um, for those of you that eat at McDonald's, in 2018, they are planning to roll out fresh beef in all of their McDonald's locations. They did a test pilot here um, with 325 locations in Texas and Oklahoma, and they said that their feedback was overwhelmingly positive. So they plan on rolling out that nationwide program here by mid-2018. So that's optimistic for the beef industry as well, I'd say. Yeah. Does it say, are they going away from frozen completely, or they'll just have some sandwiches that are made with fresh? Does it say? Well, I think it's. I think all burgers are going to be fresh beef. Interesting. Kind of like, uh, I believe Wendy's does it that way as well. Oh, do they? I uh, Don't quote me. I think so. Yeah. I'm 90% I don't know. sure. I'm, I don't eat fast food a lot, I got to say, so I, I don't know. Delaney, Delaney, you got to get out there. <laughs> I mean, there was a great study done, and in fact, uh, it was just talked about, I believe in thehill.com, or maybe it was The Economist, talked about how the quarter pounder with cheese from McDonald's is the... Uh, it represents the absolute best value for money in terms of cost per calorie in the history mm. of the world. And, you know, we look well. at how we're dealing with obesity. Before it was, we just don't have enough food. Now it's, mm -hmm. we can eat so many calories so cheaply that we've, you know, kind of eliminated a lot of that risk and we've replaced it with obesity. So it's a six of one half dozen another, <laughs> I suppose. Oh, yep. You know, we uh, speaking about about beef and the uh, the beef market. We did have other news. The EU, which was one of those markets where Brazilian beef was being exported, supposedly out of these tainted plants, or at least plants where inspectors had been bribed. The EU is now calling for an independent controller of the Brazilian meat industry. They're worried that it was so apparently easy to bribe these investigators and these. Uh, uh, regulators, that there needs to be some kind of, of other authority to step mm -hmm. in and control product. And uh, whether or not Brazil will listen, we'll see. It's just one of those things that it continues to add uncertainty that, to that Brazilian beef market issue. Right. And I think a lot of those South American countries deal with um, political corruption and not having as solid governmental systems as what the United States and Australia and some of the more developed countries have. So it might be good to even step in and assist with that. Yeah, which they don't say anything about assisting, but I'm sure that that's, they'd be willing to do it to guarantee, you know, non-rotted meat showing up on the shores of uh, the EU. Right. So with right. all this being talked about, Delaney, we're talking beef, we're talking crude, we're talking markets. Do you want to give us a rundown of what happened today to really move the markets and where they all finished up? I'd love to. In the corn market, May corn down a cent today, closing at three fifty-seven and a half. December corn down also a cent, closing at three eighty-one even. In the soybean market, May beans down six cents, closing at nine sixty-three even, and Novi beans down four and three quarters cent to end the day at 963 and a quarter. In the wheat market, May wheat down four and a half cent, closing at 421 even. In the live cattle market, April down 135 to end the day at 120. March feeder cattle ended the day down 62 and a half cents, closing out at 132, 67 and a half. And in the lean hog market, the only green today up 32 and a half to end the day at 65, 62 and a half. Mike? 
Wonderful job. Thank you, Delaney. Appreciate you bringing us up to speed. And speaking of being brought up to speed, Delaney, did you know that this week is Severe Weather Preparedness Week in Iowa? Well, I can't say I did until now. Until now. What educated you about that? Well, we have an interview coming up here, Justin Roberts. He's an anchor for KGAN. Is that correct, Mike? I believe it is. Channel 2 out of Cedar Rapids. So he'll be talking to us about Severe Weather Week and what to do, what to expect, and really how to be prepared for severe weather. So with that, Delaney, let's turn it over to Justin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're... I am very excited to introduce today's guest. He is a good friend of mine. He is well-known throughout Iowa, particularly on the eastern side of Iowa. His name is Justin Roberts. He is the weatherman covering, well, all of eastern Iowa out of Cedar Rapids. He's a Fayette boy. He's a cattleman, <laughs> all-around good cat. Justin, how you doing today? I'm well, sir. How are you? I can't complain a bit, although I'm sick of this gray weather. When are these clouds going to lift? Tomorrow, you know, by Friday, by Saturday, we're going to have a much nicer weekend, and then things are going to start turning green. So even though this has been miserable, this actually will bode well for getting things really uh, sprouting and turning green over the next few days, which will be well overdue. It is. It is time to see it uh, look like spring. Mm-hmm. Now, Justin, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, about a third of our listeners are right here in Iowa. The other third are spread across the country, or the other two-thirds, I guess. I, I suck at math. Um, <laughs> the, 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 this is Severe Weather Preparedness Week here in the state of Iowa. And I know <laughs> that for folks in agriculture, weather, of course, affects our day-to-day business. But severe weather, when you're out in the field, can be deadly. So I want to talk to you today. We want to talk to you about what we should be watching for, how we can anticipate, and what should we do when severe weather strikes. Is that something you're cool talking about? I can easily talk about that. This has been my life ever since growing up on our uh, dairy farm up in northeast Iowa. And there was a study done uh, recently, I think within the last year or so, Bloomberg Money did a story, and they said for the average viewer of a television newscast, if you took $1, and of that dollar you spent it in the newscast, 96 cents of that dollar would go to the weather forecast. That's what, especially here in the Midwest where that's the money. You know, you want to know what's the weather going to be like today, tonight, tomorrow, and the week ahead, especially when it comes to our agriculture community, because, you know, if you're out in the field, that's how you make or break life, depending on what the weather does. So even on non-severe weather days, uh, I get a lot of eyeballs, which, which is a humbling and a very uh, uh, keeps my feet to the fire kind of experience day in and day out. It does. And, you know, meteorology, and I can respect your job, given that market to market, we're in the business of talking market prices. You and I have a luxury of really being wrong quite often and still getting people to pay attention to us. <laughs> oh, stop it now. <laughs> no, usually, and compared to, you know, when people were watching, you know, weather in the 60s and 70s, you had folks like Conrad Johnson here in my neck of the woods. Or you had uh, folks over in Des Moines, and I'm blanking on names all of a sudden, but, you know, we've got it down to a pretty good science now. Not to say that we get one wrong every once in a while. Remember, folks also got the political uh, uh, presidential election wrong, too, and I'd say that had a bigger impact than a rainy day. But that's not important. Um, It is cool to be able to see, you know, 
even though you and I do the same job every day, it's always different every day, which is kind of nice, too. Right. Things are always changing. Now, as we look at severe weather preparedness, I remember when I was a kid being told that you can't outrun a tornado. And so if you're yep. in the vehicle and a tornado's coming, you get out of the vehicle and hide under an overpass. Is that still true? That's actually not true, because if you're under an overpass, it kind of serves as a mini wind tunnel. And the best thing is, if you're out in the truck or you're out and about and all of a sudden you see a storm, just pull over and get down into a ditch. That's the absolute best thing you can do. Be mindful of the chance of heavy rain could do a little flooding, but you're going to be a lot safer lying flat in a ditch than you would actually in an overpass, which seems odd. Yeah. But, you know, it's all that scientific research. What huh. about if a farmer is, is out in a field? Um, and, and severe weather strikes, you know, a tornado or mm-hmm. a severe hailstorm, and there's nowhere for them to go. They're just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, the best part is to kind of just get, you know, you know, if, if you've got like a waterway or something like that, you know, away from the machinery, you probably want to be on the north side of the machinery because most often our storms move from west to east. So you want to try to be away from where that machinery could absolutely go but kind of lay flat or big thing is just try not to get yourself into a situation where you're caught off guard. And that's where it comes into, you know, checking that forecast every day. If you know, it's going to be a severe weather day, you know, kind of paying an extra close attention to, all right, what time is it supposed to hit my area? What are the biggest threats for my area? And kind of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in that case. You bet. Now, one of the big threats that comes with severe weather, of course, we think tornadoes, we think hail. We don't oftentimes think of lightning, but that is a huge killer in these storms. And I remember a heartbreaking story two years ago in eastern Iowa. uh, A father and son were out rounding up cattle on horseback, and I believe the father was struck by lightning and, uh, and later passed away. For folks that are... You know, we're aware that a storm is coming. We're trying to get things wrapped up before it hits. How far in advance do we need to be concerned about lightning? The uh, the rule of thumb, Mike, is if thunder roars, get indoors. If you can hear thunder, lightning can travel up to 30 miles away from a storm. Mm-hmm. So if you're hearing the thunder and if, you, if you're seeing the storm clouds, if you're starting to hear the thunder, you know, that's, that's the time to get away from, from the outdoors and just take shelter and kind of ride it out which we know sometimes isn't the best of situations, especially if you're trying to round up cattle or you're trying to pack up round bales and throw them on the trailer before the rain hits. It's best just to be safe and kind of let it ride out a little bit. Now, there's been a lot of talk about whether this is going to be an El Nino or an El Nino year. What, From what you've seen, what kind of year do you think this is going to be for farmers? I, there are still signatures, and I always defer to uh, Dr. Elwin Taylor. He's kind of my go-to guy when it comes to this stuff. There are still a few signatures of a, a El Nino uh, springtime and even into the summertime, which means a little bit more moisture-rich environment. And we don't usually get the extreme temperature swings that we normally have no, Iowa's been known for in the Midwest is known for. But believe it or not, even though we're into the first couple weeks of spring, Things are relatively calm at this point, so we'll have to wait and see what comes our way uh, as we head towards the the next couple weeks in April, and that'll really start to set the course as we plan ahead for May, June, and July. Now, as we sit here today, as you say, gosh, hard to believe we're coming up on the first week of April, Um, how do we look flood-wise, either in Iowa or in the Midwest as a whole? Is there any areas that uh, you're getting concerned about ground saturation? At this point, we're watching, as of today, um, the usual suspects around Iowa and Johnson County, some of those small creeks and streams. 
that uh, are known to flood when you kind of get a good inch and a half, two inches of rain. But that aside, the southern half of Iowa, especially in the south and east, essentially from Des Moines and Newton kind of back over to the Quad Cities, they could still use a little moisture because uh, as of uh, this morning, the latest uh, drought monitor came out, and those parts in south and east Iowa are still what is considered abnormally dry. Now, it's not a drought, but the ground is still somewhat dry below that four-inch mark. So this rain that we've been getting the last couple of days will help. And then as we look towards next week, we're seeing another chance of rain for Tuesday and Wednesday, and then another chance for Friday and Saturday. So we're entering this typical kind of early spring pattern where we transition from the normal winter, which we didn't really have much of, but where you get a bit of moisture every few days, and that kind of helps settle the ground and settle that underground water supply when you get down below the main surface. Gotcha. Justin, I want to turn it back. I'm still thinking about lightning because that, that, like, it just scares the, scares the bejesus out of me. I remember as a kid, you know, <laughs> playing Little League and, you know, getting called off the field because lightning, it, it, it scarred me, I guess, as a child. I saw a video <laughs> online of a car driving down the road. It was like a, a, a highway camera. Caught this car. He's driving. Lightning zaps the car. It obviously dies, rolls another probably couple hundred feet, and then the people bail out. <laughs> What do you do if you're in a vehicle that gets struck by lightning? Are you likely to be unconscious? Are you going to be fine? Do you need to get out? Do you stay in? How do you handle it? You stay in it. That the best thing you can do is stay in it because you're on four tires that are rubber, and that will serve as a as – a, uh, um, I'm blanking on the word all of a sudden. A ground. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, the ground. That will serve as the ground. Thank you. Um, you don't want to be out and about. I mean, especially if lightning is that close, the least – the thing you don't want to do is be out and about and make yourself taller than the vehicle because lightning is attracted to taller objects, obviously. And if you're in a vehicle, if you know there's a lot of lightning flying around, same thing as if you're out and doing surveying storm damage. Let's say a storm rolls through. You're surveying storm damage. You come upon a down power line or you happen to get tangled up in one of your vehicles. Let's say you're crossing over a fence or something. Stay in that vehicle. Stay on those four rubber tires. Stay in that tractor because that is going to protect you. That rubber is going to serve as a as a ground and keep you from getting electrified. Okay, that's probably uh, counterintuitive. People think I got to get out of this thing, getting mm-hmm. out of the ditch, but you're better off just holding tight as long as there's not a tornado following the lightning, I suppose. Exactly, followed by like uh, golf ball size lightning or golf ball size hail. Yeah, yeah, golf ball size <laughs> lightning. That would terrify the the. I'm, I'm scared just thinking of. It. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the the traditional severe weather we think of, what else are you focusing on this week to get people prepared for that kind of weather event? I think we kind of, we do broad brush. We we start out with, all right, what's the difference between a watch and a warning? And I always, whenever we go into schools and we try to tell kids, you know, here's, here's the good way to think of it. Mom and dad are sitting around and you're getting in trouble. What does mom and dad do? They say, watch it. You know, it's kind of, all right, you're on notice. Now you're in trouble. Mom and dad start yelling. Now they're warning you. Here's the things that are going to happen. That's kind of a good way to think about it. If there's a watch, you're watching for that bad weather. You're watching for that severe thunderstorm or that tornado. But when the warning hits, all right, here's the warning. It's happening. You know, enact that safe place, which is the next kind of pillar in this week of severe weather. Where do you go? What is your family's plan? Where do you go should a tornado hit? How does the family get gathered back together if everybody's separated and the tornado goes through town? Do you have a meeting place? Do you have a way to get a hold of each other? Do you have a kit? I mean, let's say you're out without power for a couple days, or God forbid you lose property. Do you have a kit that you can survive for a couple days if you need to leave your house or you're missing a roof? It's that kind of stuff, that prevention and those safety tips 
That's why we focus on this first week of April to really start getting our minds set back into spring and summertime. Gotcha. What tools or movable or mobile devices or equipment do you have or recommend specifically for farmers to use to track weather or um, environmental conditions? That is an absolutely great question. There's two simple answers to that. The first of which is a NOAA weather radio. You can buy them you know, at any supply store. Uh, Tyson's, for example. I know Norby's Farm Fleet has them. There's, by the way, you sell those, get, get those guys up for a sponsorship, Mike. We just gave them a plug. Uh, <laughs> you, can buy your, you can buy your NOAA weather radio there. Program it right to your county. Uh, keep that in the house or keep that in the shed where you're going to be out and about. And the other thing is everybody is so connected these days, be it a cell phone, be it an iPad, get a uh, get an app downloaded either from your favorite local television or radio station because the name of the game now is we know people aren't just watching TV, you know, at 5, 6, and 10. We know people aren't just listening to the radio. It's a constant 24 cycle. So everything is being shared socially. Your phone will alert you for watches and warnings. Your NOAA weather will do the same. And both of which, you're looking at less than a $50 investment in a NOAA weather radio. And most cell phones are already equipped with uh, software that alerts you with watches and warnings, too. Gotcha. Justin, I've got one final question for you. Every time you guys are on the air and you're talking about the possibility of things happening, you say a 20% chance, 70% chance, 50% chance. What does that percentage represent? It's a percentage of (laughs) what? There are two schools of thought on that, and the one that we use at Channel 2 is on a scale of 1 to 10. What's the chance? All right, here we are sitting around the table right now on Thursday. Scale of 1 to 10, what's the chance of rain moving through today? And right now, it's raining as I talk to you. So that's a good 8, 9, or even 10. Now, some back in the 60s and 70s was what percentage of the day is going to be affected by weather. But the new kind of school, at least that we adhere to at Channel 2, is that on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the chance of this weather going through today? And that's how I do my forecast. Gotcha. Justin, where can people find you or watch your uh, weather coverage or hear you on the radio? Because you are kind of a jack of all trades. Where, How can people follow the great <laughs> Justin Roberts of uh, Channel 2? Well, I uh, I anchor the morning and the midday news on Channel 2 here in Cedar Rapids uh, starting at 5. Uh, and then we do our noon newscast at uh, noon, which being, growing up on a dairy farm, being in at 5 o'clock, you know, being on the air is not a bad deal. Usually we were rounding up cows at about 3, 34 o'clock. So this is normal life for me. Yeah, you And then in the in. afternoon, I, yeah, sleeping in some days. And then in the afternoon, I host a show on uh, WMT, News Radio 600 in Cedar Rapids. That's statewide. Uh, we're live from 4 to 6 in the afternoon there. Perfect. And we can probably find that show on the iHeartMedia radio app, can't we? Yes, you can. In fact, if... Uh, if you can hear WHO, you can hear WMT. That is just you got a hard decision to make at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you truly do. Well, we know you've got a lot going on in your day. You're a busy, busy man. Do keep us up to date on the weather, Justin, and uh, gosh, try to bring some sun out if possible. Telling you, uh, maybe Friday afternoon, but certainly on Saturday here as we head into April, it's going to feel and look a lot nicer. Again, thank you so much to Justin. As he mentioned later um, after the interview was over, he has 
a lot of other obligations and had to be on the radio here this afternoon. So we thank him for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us about severe weather. You bet. And hopefully none of us, none of our listeners will ever be in that situation where we have to think fast on our feet as severe weather approaches. But if you do, remember the stuff Justin said, get into a ditch if possible. If there's a lightning threat, stay in the vehicle because uh, that's a lot of wattage running through you. It's going to be worse than peeing on the electric fence. Oh, yes, that is true. Well, Mike, what else do we have coming up the rest of this week? I guess just tomorrow is Friday already. My goodness. Just tomorrow is Friday. And so tomorrow we will be taking a look at the USDA prospective plantings reports and the quarterly grain stocks estimates. So uh, do stay tuned. We'll dig into those a little bit and we will talk about the news and everything else that is going on in the world of agriculture. Continue, if you would, to subscribe in iTunes and rate and review us and let us know what you want to hear. Delaney? That all sounds great, Mike. I guess we'll see you all tomorrow and have a great day.